0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London, together living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Like uh, Rion said, I'm Niels and Frankie, our surname is Loftus, which is a dangerous name to, surname to have in the Boerland, you can get stoned for having a surname where we come from, and um, we always laugh, ironically, Frankie has one other sister, and she married a Fersfeld. <laughs> yes. We did go for inner healing, so uh, we're okay now. <clears throat> Thank you for asking. but uh, <laughs> well, <Blue Bull. laughs> yeah. uh, we, I've heard all the jokes, <laughs> all the Blue Bull jokes, but anyway... But it's such an honor to be here. Um, we've got two boys, uh, Joshua and John. They with Opa and Oma in um, Somerset West. So uh, yeah, we just want to say thank you for you guys. You know, we, we want to honor you guys. Uh, first of all, Andre and Sonica, you guys know you have amazing leaders in them? Yeah They are amazing people. When, when we spend time with them, I just feel more in love with Jesus afterwards. They just have that effect. On you and um, I want to honor them, and I want to honor you guys. You know, a few weeks back, like Rion said, uh, Andre visited us, and he just imparted such a a grace to us and to our congregation and to our leaders. And um, while we were worshiping and he was ministering, I just had the sense that the Holy Spirit saying to me that we are we are on the receiving end for what you guys are saying yes for here. Like what you are saying yes for here has got far-reaching effects. Even to the Boerland. You guys have been blessing us. Just what you guys have been going through, what you guys are contending for, the way you say yes, the way you pursue Jesus, it has an effect. And, uh, and Andrea has brought something of your breakthrough to us. So I want to honor you and say thank you for saying yes to Jesus. Thank you for following him. Say, thank you for not wavering. Thank you for standing together. Thank you for contending for more. It is blessing us and it is blessing the bigger Shofar family uh, through what you guys are are doing. So thank you so much for that. Um, So I actually had a dream about the message that I have to, that I I should share with you guys and um, I believe there's an invitation for this house and for you this morning um, to you and, um, and let's, uh, let's dive into it. Um, before, we, before we do dive into it, <clears throat> let's just pray. Lord, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are with us. Jesus, thank you, Father God, that we can just be aware of this reality that you are among us, that you are with us. Father, thank you that we can be together, gathered in your name. Thank you that we can be a part, Lord, of what you are doing in the earth right now that you are moving, that you are awakening your church, Lord, that you are reviving, Father God, your church. In Jesus' name, Father, thank you that you are awakening gifts, words that you have imparted into your people, Father God, for long ago, for a time such as this. In Jesus' name, Father, thank you that we are living in a time of answered prayer. Thank you, Lord, that we are living in a time... Where we can sense, Lord, you are calling and causing a hunger inside of us for you. To know you, to see you, to see your kingdom come, to see the authenticity of the gospel manifest in us and also through us, Lord. That you are reviving us in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do your work this morning among us. Will you speak to us? Will you touch us? Will you change us? Will you touch our eyes to see and our ears to hear? Will you touch our hearts, Lord, with understanding to perceive what it is that you are doing in the earth right now? In Jesus' name. And Father, I want to thank you for this house. While I was praying for you guys, I just sensed like you guys are entering a season of greater revelation. Where the Lord is going to bring a greater revelation of Jesus Christ to you that he is causing you to become a light in this area, a light of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I believe you are entering a season where you will be harvesting what you have been sowing in the previous season. You know where we are right now? we're We're not reaping what we are sowing right now. We are reaping what we sowed yesterday. And there's a grace on this house to sow good seed. And I just sense God's pleasure over you and saying that you have been sowing such good seed. And it's harvest time. It's time to harvest. Look up, Shofar East London, for the harvest is ready. It is right. It is time. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you that you are releasing dreams over this congregation, Lord, and over this house. Dreams of hope. Dreams of a future. Dreams of faith. In Jesus' name, Father God. Lord, I thank you for a house that is not afraid to receive the more. That you are the God greater than we can ever think of or dream of. That you move outside of those boxes, Father God. And I thank you for a people that is not afraid of the God that is bigger than them. A house that does not box you in, but a house saying, Lord, we want to allow you to be you in us and through us, Father God. Lord, I pray for greater encounters in the name of Jesus. I pray for suddenly suddenly to happen, Lord, around corners that we do not expect, in places, situations, through people we least expected that we will see you, find you, experience you in Jesus name. Father, I thank you for the prophetic gift that you have given this house that this is a season that where they will start seeing. And I just sense the Lord is going to be blessing your tongue to speak what you see. And don't be afraid to speak what you see. Sometimes we feel weak, and then the the Scriptures calls us, let the weak say something. They shouldn't be saying, I'm weak. They should be saying what the Lord is saying, and the Lord is saying you are strong. So let the weak say that I'm strong. So, Lord, I thank you that this house will start seeing what you have in store for East London, and that they will declare it. And that faith will come through hearing and as you declare this you will start believing that you will start believing in Jesus name and everybody said amen, amen and amen um wow i've got so much notes and stuff here <laughs> hey if you have your bibles with you Um, You can open it up. You can put it on whichever way you do it. But uh, if you can turn with me to to Romans 12, I will really appreciate that. We're going to be camping there. Thank you very much. Um, And I want to share with you, I believe there's an invitation for this house. And I want to share this invitation with you. And also two keys of stepping into into the invitation that I feel the Lord is just... um, calling you guys to and inviting you. Um, I was so blessed through Open Heavens Conference. Um, I just had a prompting to listen to some of the sessions, and the Lord just spoke to me so clearly, directional things in our life, again reaping what you guys are sowing, doing here in Wellington. Um, but it was such a, such a blessing. And um, I really sense like the Lord has put this house on a path, and um, and I'm and I'm hoping to add to what the Lord has already done, and to continue to build on on that um, this morning with this invitation that I feel that the Lord has has for you. So, if you have your Bibles, Romans twelve, we're going to be camping around the, the two other scriptures that we're going to. I don't unfortunately don't have them uh, on the screen. You know, when, when I do slides in for Wellington, you know, our congregation thinks that revival has broken out because I normally forget to do slides and then I do slides and I forget to take them to church. So, anyways, <laughs> but this is what we have. But we have our Bibles. Amen. So, so lucky. Lucky for that. So, Romans 12, amazing portion of Scripture. Romans 12 1 starts with, therefore. Now, we know that whenever we see that scripture, that word, therefore, we must ask ourselves, why is it therefore amen, so that therefore that is there um, refers to the to the eleven chapters before chapter twelve, but especially the last part of chapter eleven now from chapter one to eleven, Paul is building a theological base uh, for our faith, and he ends it off with Romans eleven from verse 33 to 36, what is called a doxology. Doxology is a word that comprises of two words, doxa, which means glory, and logos meaning word. And, and this last piece of before chapter 12, which the therefore kind of alludes to, is this declaration of the glory of God. It's a glorious declaration of who the Lord is. And, and Paul in Romans 12, 11, 33, he says, we're going to read from verse 33, just backing it up a little bit. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord who, who has being his counsellor, who has ever given to God that God should repay him, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This doxology, this declaration of the glory of God, Paul ends off with in in uh, in, in in chapter in chapter eleven, and it captures this awe and this wonder. That he sees in God the awe and the wonder of the Lord in salvation and redemption, in justification, in healing, in everything that the cross and the resurrection has done. The depths, oh the depths of the wonder of God. And he ends off this doxology with, it brings him to this conclusion, to God be all the glory. Everything that I know and everything that I do not know, to God be the glory. You know, what is a dangerous thing for us as believers is that we get so used to the message of the cross and the message of the resurrection that it becomes so familiar to us. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now I know the message of the cross. Now I've heard it before. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I don't think we know. Oh the depth. If you ever feel you know, I wanna I wanna dare to say we're still in shallow waters. Oh the depth of the knowledge of God and the cross and the resurrection. And we see this awe in Paul, even in Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection and not love my life unto death. This is what I live for, to know more, to see more, to know you fully and understand you fully and have almost a full manifestation of what you paid for on the cross in my life and through my life. Like Paul is just going for that. And sometimes it's super dangerous when we get to the place of knowing and becoming so familiar with the cross and the resurrection that we kind of are in danger of missing it. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want to, turn, I want to ask you to turn with me to Mark 6. Um, and I want, just want to read this to you just to bring you into this a little bit more because um, this kind of hit me somewhere in the past two years. Um, and I started fighting familiarity with the gospel. Not settling to become too familiar with the, with the gospel. Now, this uh, portion of scripture in Mark 6 is the place where Jesus goes to his hometown. And uh, the heading in my Bible says, A prophet without honor. And I just want to read this and, and just point out something to you. And out of this, I want to, want to share with you what I believe the invitation is for this house. Um, Jesus lived there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. So Jesus is in his hometown and he's teaching. And what is the result? What is the fruit of Jesus' teaching? Amazement. Okay? So Jesus is... Dropping some revelation bombs on his hometown, and the people are like, Whoa, this is amazing! Where did this man get these things? They asked, What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Because Jesus is in his hometown, revelation is being given, people are amazed, miracles are happening. Are you with me in his hometown? Miracles are happening. And then there's a turn in verse 3. Something happens. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at Jesus. And Jesus then says, only in his hometown among his relatives, in his own house is a prophet without honor says that he couldn't do any miracles after that, except lay his hands on a few sick and heal them. And Jesus, the amazement then turns to Jesus. Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. So amazement turned from the people amazed by Jesus to Jesus being amazed by their lack of faith. What happened? What, What caused that turnaround? Familiarity. Isn't this just, it's just Jesus. Jesus, we know Him. We know Him all too well. It's just Jesus. You see, we can become so familiar with the gospel, with Jesus, with the resurrection, that we forget it's the power of God unto salvation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what is the invitation? Shofa is London. I believe the Lord is inviting you into deeper water. Into the, into the unfamiliar because he wants to open up revelation knowledge in the sight of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing the invitation not to become familiar because here's what I believe. Here's what we believe. The Lord, what you have been tasting and seeing, oh, it's just the beginning. <laughs> it's just the beginning. There's so much more. You've been tasting and seeing, but you're still in shallow waters. The Lord is inviting you into the deeper, into the deeper waters, I believe. And 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 our prayer over this house is not to settle, not to become familiar. But the Lord is inviting you into the more, into the greater revelation of who he is. I don't know about you, but after serving the Lord for 28 years. Man, it feels like the closer you get to the Lord, the less you know. Have you experienced that? Oh, the depths of the knowledge of God. Oh, the depths. Shofa is London. The Lord is inviting you into a deeper revelation, a deeper revelation of who He is. Because revelation, knowledge is going to be come to you, and you are going to be a light of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And miracles is going to be here because you're not familiar with Jesus. He's the king of glory. Amen. And I just sense that on this house that you have really placed him in that, in that spot. So Paul ends off, let's go back to Romans 12, with, with this doxology, this declaration of the glory of God. Therefore, because of the glory of God. He goes on to say, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the invitation is into the awe and the wonder of who the Lord is. You know, if there's something that we can all mature in, it's in our childlikeness. The wonder of a child when they do something for the first time or fly in an airplane for the first time or catch a fish for the first time or whatever, that awe and wonder. So I want to bless you with maturity in your childlikeness. We're going to look to Jesus. There's an invitation for that. But how do we enter that invitation? And I want to give you two keys to enter that invitation. I believe it is understanding Romans 12:1 and 2 that sets us up for, for that more. And in verse 1, we see uh, Paul speaking about bringing our bodies as a living sacrifice. And he says that this is our true worship. So what does this mean? What is, how do we step into this? What does this mean to bring my body as a living sacrifice to the Lord? You know, worship is powerful. Amen. You guys are a worshiping house. It is said that everybody worships. Just some choose to worship God. Worship is fitting for every occasion. If I know what's happening, if I don't know what's happening, if I understand, if I don't understand, when I have a good day, a bad day, when whatever, it's always fitting to worship. It's always fitting. Worship, what we worship, we will always be changed into what we worship. If we worship the Lord, we are changed from glory to glory into the image of Christ. If we worship something else, we will be changed into the image of whatever that thing is that we we worship. The fact is that worship has a powerful effect on darkness. It has a powerful effect on darkness. If it's true, we should never use worship as worship. If we, if we use worship as worship, we are not worshiping anymore. So if we worship Jesus to move his arm, to move the arm of God to do something for us, we are to a certain extent manipulating, trying to manipulate the arm of God to move through worship. And if we do that, we are not worshiping anymore. Do you guys understand what I'm, what I'm saying? So, What is true worship? We worship God because He's worthy of worship. That's, that's why we worship Him. It's not to do something for us, but it is because He's worthy. If He does something or He doesn't do something, it doesn't matter. He's worthy of worship. And I love, when I think of the three guys that were thrown into the, to the, to the fire, I love what they did. They told the king, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. You want to throw us into the fire. Now, our God, He can save us from that fire. I want to tell you something. If He saves us, or if He doesn't save us, we will worship Him and not you. They put the, the low water mark and the high water mark of their faith. They just placed that boundary right there. I'm not going to worship God so that He saves me. I'm going to worship Him even if He doesn't save me out of this situation. He's worthy of our worship. Now when we think of worship, there's three things we we normally talk about. We talk about thanksgiving, we talk about praise, and we talk about worship. Now these three things are different. Um, And worship is much different than thanksgiving and praise. And I just want to bring some context to this to you this morning. If we... Give God thanks. It's our response to the acts of God. God acts. He heals. um, He delivers. He sets you free. He provides for you. God acts in your life, and we are thankful for that. And we give thanks to the Lord. Amen? Praise is our response to the nature of God. It is how we respond to who God ultimately is. He is healer. He doesn't only heal, but he is healer. He doesn't only provide, but he is the provider. He is our rock. He is our salvation. Who he is, our response to that is praise. Amen? Now, there's certain, certain things that we do that heighten our awareness of the presence. The preacher said, He says, if the Lord, if it is the Lord that inhabits my praises, he asked the question, so who would inhabit my moaning? Because somebody will inhabit my moaning. <laughs> Amen? Nobody likes somebody who moans all the time anyway. So God inhabits, he, he, there's a heightened sense of the awareness of the presence of God when we are in thanksgiving. When we praise the Lord, there's a heightened sense of His awareness. Amen? That, that's a power of worship. Like, we worship and we declare something higher than what we are experiencing right now. And it heightens the, right, our awareness. And it's actually called faith. Do you know that? If you declare something higher than what you're experiencing or feeling, it's called faith. It's stepping into a higher reality. Um But it heightens the awareness of the presence of God. When we gather in His name, when we surrender humility, it's like the presence of the Lord is attracted to that. I don't know if you have experienced this, but thanksgiving can sometimes be an offering in the sense that it costs me something to bring it. Praise as well. Like sometimes I don't feel thankful. Amen? Can Can you relate to that? Sometimes I don't feel like praising, but in my choice... Of bringing the offering, that it costs me something. It's a sacrifice for me to bring to the Lord my thanksgiving or my praise. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, but it is an offering. It's a sacrifice that I can give God. Worship, nowhere in the Bible we ever find that worship is called an offering or a sacrifice. So what is worship? Worship is our response to... To the presence of God, thanksgiving is our response to to the acts of God. Praise is our response to the to the to the nature of God. But worship is our response to the fact that God is here. Worship set list is with me. So worship isn't worship doesn't happen because of a good set list. And I believe in good set lists. Worship doesn't happen because we sing in the right key. And believe you me, I. Believe in singing in the right key. I'm not one of those people. I'm not allowed to stand close to our worship leaders because they say they struggle to keep the, the right key when I am close, close by. So I am all, I'm like super for the right key. I'll clear a room if I have to sing to you guys. But worship is my response. God is here. Have you ever, you, you just know God is in the room. He's here. Now, what am I going to do now? And here's the thing in true worship, you don't bring an offering, you don't bring a sacrifice. In true worship, you become the offering, you become the sacrifice. You're hearing what I'm saying? In true worship, it's not what you can offer God. The offering that the Lord is looking for in worship is you, your heart. He's not looking for you to come to the altar and place something on the altar and say, Lord, look at this. He's looking for a living sacrifice that's you getting on that altar and saying, Lord, here is the offering. Here is what I can give you. Here it is what I can bring you. It is me. One of our elders says the problem with a living sacrifice is that it's living, like you can crawl off the altar. So there's a choice <laughs> that you have to make to remain on that altar, remain at a place of, of humility and surrender before the Lord. If I understand or I don't understand, if I see the end or I don't see the end, if I if I'm at a low or a high. If I'm afraid or full of faith and courage to remain on that altar, as the offering that the Lord is looking for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is at that place. It's on the altar where the fire of God ultimately falls. It's on the altar of God where fear and doubt and all those things are burnt away and we can truly step into our God-given identity and be who God has called us to be. So in the invitation, here is the first key. Get on the altar. Shafa is London. The Lord is calling you to get on the altar. That is the worship that God is seeking. And perhaps I can take you to a, to a example can you open up in Isaiah 6? Can we go there? There's a worship moment that I just want to show you, highlight to you. A worship moment that Isaiah experienced that I think is quite cool and powerful. Just to further explain this giving your body as a living, as a living sacrifice um, to the Lord. In Isaiah 6, verse 1, it says, In the year the king died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, as I was a prophet, you guys just had prophets in your midst. You guys have received gifts. And part of the prophetic gift is actually to see. We were walking the mountains yesterday with our kids in Somerset West. We got to this bench, and it said something. There was a, a, a thing written on the bench that was so profound for me. It said, you're standing up there. You see this beautiful view of the ocean and the mountains and everything. And it said, it's not what you look at, but what you see. It's not what you look at, but what you see. Are you hearing You're going to be looking at his London and seeing something different than you have been seeing in the previous season because of the prophetic. Because I can look at at Rion, but what do I see when I look at him? You hear what I'm saying? Okay, the Lord is unlocking that. And Isaiah saw, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then it says, the train of his robe filled the temple. Now that word filled is a continuous tense. So it it filled and it continues to fill. Now who's the temple in the New Testament? We are the temple. You are the temple. The Lord is filling you and he will continue to fill you. So Isaiah has this amazing encounter, right? And then... then these two angels come and they are singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. I love the perspective of heaven. When heaven looks down to earth, heaven sees the prophetic vision. This earth will be filled with the glory of God. And we should be, and, and I want to encourage you guys to speak what the Lord is saying even though you don't see it. And I'm like, yes, for a season, this earth was filled with the glory of a virus. And we say no to that. This earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. He has this encounter. And Isaiah is convicted of his sin. I'm a man of unclean lips, clean hands and a pure heart. Um, the word that came out in intercession. And, and the angel comes and he, he touches the, the, the tongue of his mouth of Isaiah. And he gives him his voice. He restores his, his, his voice. And after that happened in verse 8... Listen to this. Then I heard, Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And here's the worship moment, Isaiah saying, Here I am, Lord, send me. When we as a living sacrifice get on that altar, then I don't say, Lord, please send Rion to do that. Please send, I'm apostolic Lord, I want to send everybody else. Hey, the Lord is after you. He's after you. What would life look like if you start believing that the Lord sent you to this town? How would life look like if you start believing that the Lord himself sent you to the neighborhood where you are living? If the Lord sent you to the job you are at? How would life look like if you live as a saint one at that space in place? And if the Lord wants to move you from a job or town or neighborhood, He will tell you. But sometimes we are so caught up in where we should go that we miss what is right in front of us. You hear what I'm saying? Huh? Bring your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is a worship moment for, for Isaiah and a powerful one. On the altar, seeing the Lord being filled, being changed. And listen, oh man, I hear so much in Wellington. My life isn't at a good space. I must first clean up my life and then I'll come to church. I'm like, dude, you don't understand the gospel. The whole point is you can't do that. That's why we come to Jesus. And then we get on that altar. And then our guilt and our shame and our condemnation is washed away. And we can see the Lord. Listen, your guilt, shame, and condemnation is not enough for the revelation, to keep you from the revelation of God. Because Isaiah was a sinful man, and God opened his eyes to see, and it was in the vision, in the revelation of who the Lord is, that he got changed. The Lord is inviting you into a deeper sense of revelation knowledge in Christ. Do you know that the the spirit that's coming against the world right now is not the anti-Jesus spirit? It's the anti Christ spirit, anti anointing. Do you know it's not the I in you that is powerful, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't lean too much on you. Amen? Lean on Christ in you. And there's a revelation of the anointed Christ in us that is going to be revealed and in you in the days to come that's going to be powerful. And going to change lives. And going to change this place. Going to change your neighborhood. Going to change your workplace. It's going to change you. What is God asking us to do? Get on that altar. Here I am Lord. (laughs) May your fire fall on this sacrifice. Amen. Okay. Thank you Jesus. Into the awe. Into wonder. Get on the altar. And let the Lord change us. And you know, from the altar, from that space of worship, that position of worship, that heart's position of worship, we can actually start living a transformed life by renewing our minds. Do you know, you, you cannot renew your mind, or you can, but I would suggest you don't renew your mind with your emotions. Don't renew your mind with your past. I don't know about you, I do not want my future to look like my emotions, like, the Okay. I do not want to renew my mind with my past. Amen. What will set us free? Truth. Stepping into truth. Truth will set us free to be everything that we have called to be. If you uh, can you guys worry? Can you guys worry? I I can worry it's it's only me Okay. I can worry if you can worry you can meditate because worrying is meditation just on the wrong thing the moments I meditate like when it's not healthy for me to meditate is when I do the dishes it's like when I do the dishes I have this fight in my head with people that this happened, and I should have said that, and, 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 and I know you guys don't know what I'm talking about, but perhaps you can share this with somebody else. But you're at church, and and somebody said something hurtful to you, and you go home, and uh, to me, and you start washing the plate a little bit harder. And I, I, who who do they think they are to say that to me, right? And you're just going for it, and you know what happens. Next time you see that person that person didn't hurt you once they hurt you 51 times because you meditated on that 51 times and then you are your emotions are they just you're not a nice person at that moment you know towards them like if if we play these negative stuff in our mind it causes a certain mindset and belief system in us Where God says... He calls us to put our minds on things above. To meditate on truth. Because truth will set us free. You know, if we go that negative route, then we end up using words like you always. And you never. And you just always because I've been meditating about it always. So it becomes my my truth. Does it make sense to you guys? Okay. The Lord is renewing our minds, giving us the mind of Christ to think the way the Lord thinks. And truth will set us free in the sense of, you know, I've, I've heard it said that is London is hard for the gospel. Have you heard it said? I want to say to you, it's absolutely nonsense. It's not hard for the gospel. People say stuff like that because they have a bad experience. Experience of rejection or experience where you you reached out and somebody rejected you or something like that happened. And then we start saying it's hard ground for the gospel. And how how much of you, do you guys know that faith comes by? So I say it and all of a sudden I start believing it. But if I read my Bible, if I see the Lord, if I see clearly, I see my Bible saying, shofar is London, lift your head, for the harvest is ready. And it's right. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his field. Amen? Amen. That's truth. The Lord cannot use me. Like, seriously? He can use me. <laughs> he can use you. Amen? Is that true? We must... Is that true? Here's another one. My husband will never change. <laughs> ladies I can sometimes understand why you would think that but is that what the Lord is saying over your husband is that what the Lord is saying over your wife is that true or is it your emotions and your past that's ministering to you and the spirit of truth is wanting to come in and minister to us a better word than what our past and our emotions is ministering to us are you guys with me are you guys with me the Lord is here He's inviting us, he's inviting you, he's inviting this house into a greater revelation of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. The anointed one. How do we get there? We lean into into true worship, which is giving giving us. And secondly, we allow the Lord and his truth to renew our minds. And then we start meditating on that worship team, you guys can, can come to the front. Have you, ever seen, have you ever seen somebody going for a walk with a big dog? And you thinking like, is the owner taking the dog for a walk or is the dog taking the owner for a walk? You're not, you're not sure which way this is playing out. I just believe like there's some of us, you feel like a victim to your own thought life and you feel like thought is taking you for a walk. And I just want to say to you, that's not true. The Lord is giving grace for you to put that dog in his place. Because you're not a victim of your thoughts, you're not a victim of your emotions, and you're not a victim of your past. It is time for you to take your thoughts for a walk into the glory of the Lord. Amen. It is a season change, I believe, for this house where you will not be renewing uh, your mind with your emotions or your past, but with the truth of the Lord. It is time where you walk out of who you are not into who you are. Are you hearing what I'm saying, Islam? And the Lord is inviting us into a deeper revelation of who He is. So that we can, with Paul, cry out, Lord, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection and not love my life unto death. I want to know you. This is the great treasure that we find in the field is that we know Jesus and that he knows us and that we can follow him in these days that we live in and be a light to the world as we give us and say, Lord, set us ablaze. Set us ablaze and may your fire in us cause light to other people however that might look on your life thank you for listening find more on shofar east london's podcast channel let's do life together